Pumpkin Spice Podcast is back to talk about some of the spookiest movies out there. But this time, they aren't covering franchises. They're taking bus tickets to new cities to explore the horror happening all over the globe. So tune in to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a bridge burner podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out now. It's Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Bill Tilly. Hey, and I'm Rob Schulte. Bill, we're in what some might call the second season of this podcast, but really, we we come and go as we please. We do. Uh, we go where we're needed, much like the heroes we're going to discuss in this series, and yes. we take care of business the way it needs to be taken care of. In a large van... Um, that we might live in up and down the coast. Yeah, just don't live in it down by the river because that's a different <laughs> kind of connotation. We don't want that. No, not at all. No. Uh, before we get into the details of today's specific episode, Bill, we should just, let's reflect back. Let's reflect back on season one, on uh, on what we've done in between the first, you know, I say season one, but really I mean franchise one. I mean, sure. theme one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched all the Predator films. We had many, many thoughts. Uh, if you haven't listened to those episodes, everyone, I, I do think you should go back and listen to them. But after you finish today's episode. Right, Bill? Oh, yeah. You want to get that new sweet podcast smell on you before <laughs> you go back into the catalog. And isn't that the rule, Rob? Oh, You're yeah. in the industry. You're a pod father. You're the podcaster extraordinaire. <laughs> When you go to listen to a new show, if this is a new show, they always say, listen to the last episode first. Yeah, the most recent. Right. Like, because the most recent is going to give you what the podcast is trying to deliver. The first episode might have technical difficulties. You never know. Ours didn't, of course, because of we're, course not. We're, we're perfect. Everybody knows this. Absolutely. And this <laughs> will uh, run right into the theme because I'm sure people have seen the newest incarnation of what we've talked about. And now we get to go back and watch the original so oh yes together. oh yes bill it's circular like the main weapon of this <laughs> man so let me ask you a question real quick bill um do you feel like we are accomplishing everything we have set out to do for this podcast are we like firing on all cylinders i believe so uh we set out to have fun and yes. we're having it we set out to be uh more positive than negative when it comes to what we're doing here. So we're doing that. I think so, Rob. The Ultimately, this is going to come down to our friends that listen. They're going to be the ones to tell us whether we've achieved our main objective or not. Very good point. Very good point. So if you're listening and you haven't, you know, done the things that help podcasts, why don't you uh, check out the show notes and help the podcast? Also, big shout out 
to the Discord, to everyone who's commented about the show. It is overwhelmingly amazing to hear that people were excited about the podcast and that they have retained listenership and are discussing it in all of the places. It's great. It is great. It's not uh, going to be that false humility that I hear other people do. Like, oh, I can't believe anybody listens to her. I'm, I wanted people to listen to this show. I have fun. Why don't you? So it's great to know that there are some people out there who are enjoying what we're doing. That's what we're here for. Yep. So, if you are new to the podcast, if for whatever reason this episode brought you in, Bill and I talk about a piece of media, generally movies, sometimes television. We did talk about Baywatch Nights, the pilot previous to this. Shout out to Joe and Piloting Error podcast. That was great. Uh, we'll do one-off episodes here and there, but the general idea is that we take a themed clumping of stuff and we watch them together with segments that are related to that themed clumping. Bill, did you ever see the movie The Clumps, uh, Nutty Professor Part 2? No, but I have a cat, so I'm used to clumping. And we yes, don't want that kind of clumping no, not in at our all. show. Either and of those types of clumps. Either of those types of clumps. But actually, uh, dear listener, we have to do this because... Otherwise, Rob and I will gladly just run rampant into the media forest and we would we'd have no structure oh. at all. We want to watch all the things. We are constantly throwing things at each other. And if we wanted to create any kind of cohesive <laughs> podcast experience for you, we have to come up with themes, which is actually another layer of fun for us to see what we want to do. So it's neat to make the list that we are going to turn into the next series. Yes. And so I've already stated, we watched all the Predator films. Uh, we all know the evolution of where this podcast started from. If you don't, you'll learn as we go along. But Bill, this is truly a new realm for us. We're not taking a franchise and watching all of the movies. We are really leaning into theme. And the theme of this series of episodes, Bill, of this, of this runway, I should say, was a brainchild of you. Now, would you like to explain what we're doing in this clump of episodes? Yes, I will gladly pick this clump apart. Uh, I, lifelong comic book fan, have been following right along with most of the world and with a little franchise called the MCU. So ah. uh, Rob, also a fan of comics. We all like these movies for the most part, like anything else. You love some, you're not so crazy about the other ones. But... This has been a dominant force for over a decade now, right. and there is so much coming out. It just it's there and it's there. And I am just that kind of guy. I'm old enough to remember some certain things when there wasn't this much stuff around. So I pitched the idea to Rob. Why don't we go back and pay homage to the groovy Marvel Universe that begot this one? Some even will probably say forgotten, never known about. There is a not small amount of media pre-MCU that you can look up that is just, it's nostalgia bait for me. I won't yeah. deny that at all, but a lot of it is just fun, and I thought this would be a good topic to go back and find out the true story of how some of these heroes hit the screen, and Rob was kind enough to put on his mask and cape and jump into the sidecar and go with me on this journey. Yeah, so to be 100% clear, everyone, we are watching non-MCU Marvel movies. So like when you look at Star Wars and everything that is not in there, 
quote canon. What do they call it, Bill? Uh, uh, Star Wars Legends. I think they call it that or the Legacy Universe. But yeah, everything that brought you to the brought us to the MCU. That's what we're going to watch before there was ever an idea to lump all this stuff together. Yeah. um, Although it's always been lumped up in the comic universe, but for some reason when they were making movies, they just didn't want to thread that needle. No. And we'll see why, as we talk our way through this movie, (laughs) I remember watching these and it's pretty easy to know why they did some of the things they did, but that changed drastically after about 10 years had gone by. So like anything else, once something picks up some steam and some money-making opportunities, then the studios are willing to, Throw a little bit more resource at it. But luckily, that is not what we're going to talk about today. What are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about the film debut of the first Avenger, Captain America. The first Avenger. Wow. But that's not the name of today's film, is it? No, no, it is not. It is simply titled Captain America. And to be clear, everyone, there was a 1990s Captain America. There was. We didn't watch that one. There's the MCU one like we talked about. We didn't watch that one either. Bill, which one did we watch? We watched the 1979 TV movie starring Reb Brown as Captain America. Reb Brown? Reb Brown, if uh, you've listened to our previous series or you just happen to be into some really fun movies, you might recognize that name from, I don't know, a little movie called Robo War, Rob? I think you've... Yeah. And uh, and actually, it would have been kind of neat if the villain in this movie had been more like the Robo War robot. Yeah. (laughs) It would have brought a lot. It would have brought a lot to it to see Steve Forrest dressed up in motorcycle leather at the end of this movie. Oh, man. That we can only dream about that. We can. So this movie comes from a time back in the day when there was not a lot of stuff going on superhero-wise back in the 70s and the 80s. There was little bits here and there. I was a kid back then. I remember these things. I remember the the absolute unbridled joy of flipping open the TV guide and seeing the ad for this. Captain America! Oh, my God. This is (laughs) the thing that is going to happen. Because you had your cartoons. You'd always had those along the way. But to see an actor put on a costume and play these parts, unless you were going to the ski shows at SeaWorld where you watch Batman and Robin ski around in a water tank while Wonder Woman jumps over a trained porpoise. You were not different universe though, different universe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Different. But they were the only ones that were getting it. Or your local mall, your local mall might've had somebody in a costume, but true, but not on, not on the screen to see it on your TV. This was a big, big deal for a comic book kid because sports every day, comic books, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill, here's the thing, though. We were talking segments. What's our first segment? Well, like any good hero, our first segment is called Origin Story. Bill, you own this film, don't you? I do. So that means you have a box which has a back on it that you can read what this film is about. I do, and I'm going to hold it up to camera right now oh. because that is not a joke. Wow. Oh, my God. So that, yes, is, that is a piece of history. Yes, yes, dear viewer. Uh, this is going to be an actual back-of-the-box read from an actual back-of-the-box. Wow, go for it. 
The thrills never stop as star-spangled superhero Captain America races into action against America's deadliest enemies. Reb Brown stars as the legendary crime fighter and ex-Marine son of the original World War II hero, whose life is saved by a super steroid endowing him with extra strength, vision, hearing, and agility. Determined to carry on the duties of his late father, he dons the famed red, white, and blue costume and climbs aboard a high-tech motorcycle to thwart a power-mad industrialist, Steve Forrest, who threatens to destroy the city of Phoenix with a homemade neutron bomb. It's high-voltage action as the USA's greatest hero battles for freedom and democracy. Wow. I'm going to keep my cynical side at bay for a moment because we're all about positivity here, Bill. That new where to really electrify its audience. Oh, you know? yeah. And little behind the scenes looks like we know. I know that's cheesy, but superhero theme. I'm bringing the cheese voice out for some. Oh, you got movies, to. So, yeah, you got to be ready for that. That is straight off the 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 TV movie of the week read when that guy would flash up there tonight. I'm all about it. Dude, I found a image from the Captain America uh, TV guide. Oh. And I think I can pull it up on screen here. Oh, please me, do. And this will be great for our audience. They're going to love it, as they always do. Uh, look at that. There it is. Look at that. That so awesome. Full disclosure, everybody, to show you a little bit about how nerdy I was back in the day. I, the TV guide ads, the drawn ads, the art ads, yeah, just completely mesmerized me. And I wanted to be the person who drew those ads. I would sit and tear those out and copy them as best I could onto typing paper and then cut them out and take them and stick them up in my locker or on my book. That's they were everywhere. Everywhere. Dude. Just loved them. I remember uh, one of the guys who cleaned my high school. Sometimes he would chat with those of us who had to show up early to school because our parents worked early and we just had to sit in the lunchroom. And so, I mean, I think it shows you how much of a cool kid I was that like, uh -huh. you know, I made friends with the adults at my high school. Uh -huh. But he wanted to be the dude who painted the vinyls uh, on album covers mm -hmm. and he was like and then of course that went away in the 80s but he like he had like painted his school's like mascot on the gym floor and he was like he loved looking at kiss albums that were like hand drawn and painted and this captain america ad just takes me right back to like those old albums like the old just like classic drawings of the things because for some reason people wanted to draw the stuff more than just take the picture yeah. And I love it. I love yeah. it. And usually those ads were an amalgamation of everything that was going on, but they, usually they looked better a lot of the times than what you saw on the screen because they could draw it a lot better. They could yeah. afford an explosion on paper. It really doesn't cost that much, but you want to take that out on the set out in the into the LA desert, then things are gonna go a little more expensive. So, Bill, today's film. It was written by Don Ingalls, and he did the teleplay. We all know what that is, of course. And Chester Crumholtz, who did the story. Now, these are TV people. These mm -hmm. are people who continue to work in TV, or did continue to work in TV, but they weren't really the comic book people. They were like, we know what to write for the screen. And it was directed by Rod Holcomb, who's like, as far as I can tell, 
was still a working TV director up to like 2017. Like wow. CSI, Justified, like just fit in in his television directing niche. Very cool to kind of like see the early days of that sort of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know how to direct for TV. You've got a job for many, many years. Oh, absolutely. And you're right. These were not the comic book guys. Those guys were shunned in every way, shape, or form because this is old TV, you know? And execs will tell you they saw something that their kid liked or their comic book was laying on the floor. And one way or another, they're like, I can use that. And they just would take it. And if you were desperately lucky, they would maybe read an issue and they would get some of the items right. Yeah. So do you want to run through some of our cast here? I'm also noticing that like just about every cast member you have in parentheses, total that guy. So you might need to define that for yourself because I think a that guy for you may not be a that guy for me. It may not. The definition is simply a that guy is somebody you see on screen. You recognize immediately, even if you don't know their name or who they really are, you just know them by sight. And generally that person is a character actor and they elicit one kind of emotion like that guy's always a bad guy or that lady's always a millionaire's uh, business philanthropist. Or, yeah. It's just the way it is. It's, it's how you perceive the thing. So if you're familiar with star Trek, it's probably like a, what Jeffrey Combs. Absolutely. It's a okay. Jeffrey Combs down the line. And uh, that's how it was back in the day. They had a lot smaller pool of actors. They were, grab them and they knew exactly who they wanted at all times so oh yeah in our cast today we of course as we mentioned before we have reb brown who plays steve rogers captain america also from robo war and that's our synchronicity origin story since <laughs> we let off with robo war and we're leading off with reb brown again i don't know it might make it a thing to see if i could just lead every series off <laughs> well brown. i'm choosing the next theme so we'll yeah. see if reb brown's a part of it yeah we'll see how that goes but uh reb also tv royalty a little bit he was on chips in the first season so his motorcycle riding makes perfect sense we have lynn berman is dr simon mills was around in a bunch of shows also a little marvel cred he was in the thor 60s cartoon something i'm gonna have to watch i'm gonna just do that as the voice of giant man uh heather menzies also known as heather menzies uric mrs robert uric so she gets extra props for that for me she was in a movie that I saw. It scared the crap out of me called Piranha. Maybe we can have a fish theme we can work <laughs> her into. And then we come to Lance Legault, who I had to put him back on the list. Uh, he plays Harley the Henchman. If you don't know Lance and you're my age, you must have lost your mind because there's just no way. He has been in everything. He was Colonel Decker on the A-Team. He was Buck Green, Magnum's boss on Magnum P.I. Columbo, Next Generation. Mrs. Columbo. <sighs> One of my faves. All of those. So you see Lance, you're either thinking two things. He's either total thug or government operative. That's just, <laughs> that's it. And the last main character is Steve Forrest. Steve Forrest, another TV movie actor. You know him when you see him. He plays Lou Brackett, the villain of our piece. And I like to think that some of his best work was as the boss in Spies Like Us, who runs the Ace Tomato Company <laughs> spy <laughs> division. And uh, weirdly enough, also played in Shadow, the main bad guy of a little show called Team Knight Rider, which oh. knows, maybe we'll work that into our schedules. The crazy spinoff, right? Right. So those are our main characters. Wow. Now, Bill, 
you you kind of have a relationship to all of these characters in some way or another. Obviously, you've seen them in multiple TV shows and movies. I'm not as familiar. At, I should just put that way. Airwolf, love the video game, love the theme song. I have seen very few actual episodes of Airwolf. But Columbo, one of my favorite things. TNG, love it. You know, um, Logan's Run, the TV show? Mm-hmm. Didn't even know it existed. Mm-hmm. But I love that all of these people are in something that I am familiar with. Mm-hmm. Captain America, you know, to an extent. Right. Um, I love Marvel Comics. Captain America always, I do have to say, I came into the Marvel Universe during like the Age of Apocalypse era. Like oh, the sure. X-Men, X-Men cartoon was happening. It was the 90s resurgence of Marvel um, but I didn't really, really start getting into like the universe of reading Marvel until I was like getting into college. So like early 2000s, which I know seems wild, but it just goes to show you that like these characters can persevere and they can keep writing new stories and keep reinventing timelines and like that somehow still makes sense. And I can only imagine what that's like for you having a, a couple more years on me in dedicated comic reading. It's really interesting because yeah, everything goes through phases. So I was reading comic books from the time I was a little kid. My mom would get them for me. It was like my one steady luxury and you get them at yard sales, bags of them places. She'd just bring them home and they would be all kinds. But the thing I always look for is that one thread of who that character is. And there will always be years where they will mess with that character one way or another. They kill him. <laughs> they give somebody else the job. It's just, it's always unsettling to me. Maybe I'm a little stodgy that way, but I love the through line when it's there. If you can look at something and go, I get it. That's the embodiment of what this character is. Then it's real fun for me. And that's kind of why I wanted to do this because I think a lot of these projects, especially things like the Captain America TV movies, I think in some ways they'll probably get a short shift from a lot of people. I don't think that's fair. I think they do their job for the most part in the most instances when they can. And it's just fun to look back and see how those things were there and yeah. the elements that were there and how they could still carry through to today. There's a, there, If you look closely, there's a common through line between Reb Brown and Chris Evans. Yeah, see the character in both of them. They're two totally different ways of approaching it, but it's there. So I just want to see these projects get their due and at least be acknowledged when they deserve it. And I'm not saying they all do (laughs) for being the the cornerstone that got you your MCU in the first place. Yeah, I I remember when Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie came out and... I was unfamiliar, like I said, that was kind of when I was reading comics, but I was not dedicated to the universe in comic form. But I was so excited to see the movie because what kid doesn't like Spider-Man, right? Like what Mm -hmm. kid didn't like Captain America, yada, yada, yada. But like, I remember it's that first era of people being like grumpy in message boards or grumpy in that corner of the universe because Spider-Man had web shooters in the comic and it was like genetic in mm-hmm. the movie. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's weird. I wonder why they changed that. Or like maybe even I was, I had I had no dog in the fight, you know? Sure. But maybe I was even being like, I wonder why they changed that. And I remember a guy who was 
dedicated to the comics said, who gives a fuck? Every era they change something about the comics and then they change it back. Or there's a Elseworld comic where, or a what if comic or something that we all love and we enjoy. And it's made by Marvel, right? Right. So why is it when there's not another adaptation, just this time it happens to be in movie form, that it's not okay for them to do that? It's okay for them to do that like when it's a splinter from the comic in another comic, but when it's a splinter from the comic in a movie, it has to be exactly like the thing. It's like what people were arguing about uh, the Halo TV show, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. I haven't dedicated a lot of time to it, but there's already a Halo game, and there's already Halo books, and uh-huh. there's already Halo comics, and now there's a Halo TV show. And they took it that direction. You can like it, not like it, whatever you want. But like all of these things to me seem to be quite all right. And especially in this movie where it feels like a Captain America meets Six Million Dollar Man. Yeah, I'm glad that you see it that way. And that was the purpose deep down for me wanting to think about this because the culture, pop culture, nerds, whatever you want to call them, we're no different than anybody else. Everybody's had their day. And you look back at this time, you're trying to cater to a very specific audience with this movie. Two audiences, actually. One, the kid who recognizes Captain America and goes, want to see that, which was me. And you're trying to also bring in an adult who will sit there long enough to get your Nielsen ratings up because it's three networks and that's the time. Yep. Everybody's got what they're trying to go for. They've all got an agenda. And you're right, Rob. These things change and shift. I love canon. I love a certain amount of history, but I also acknowledge one that's going to run out. People get old times change. Things don't look the same. I want to see the consistency. I want to see the people that put in the effort to go. I'm trying to make a product. In this case, I'm trying to make a captain America movie. It needs to embody this, 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 the rest of it is totally flexible. And we live now in a time where everybody's stuff is out there to be critiqued by everybody. So now all these movies marvel movies they're all super popular the nerds don't run the show anymore back 25 30 years ago if the nerds didn't like it your movie flopped because they didn't go watch it because they were the only ones that were going to watch it and now everybody might go watch a movie and they don't have any idea who the people are on the screen i guarantee you uh, most of them don't because they're just not that kind so the uber fan who's just raging to me it's like i can understand if you're not happy with the product or you're not cool with the way things were, or it's just not your favorite thing. But if you're not able to look at a thing objectively right out of the gate and try and spot that thing that you love about it and you immediately shut it down, I think you're closing yourself off to a lot of opportunities to have a little fun, especially in the media, which is never going to be perfect. And that's what it's there for. So basically don't be that person. I could be that person. I see things where I'm like, that's not right. I can comic book guy with the best of them on certain things, but I don't want to. Yeah, I just don't want to. So. It's 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 not fun to be that person, which is why we've started this podcast. Like the moment you start saying something has an agenda, uh-huh. then you're like you're already down a spiral that you can't even you can't even come back from. Exactly, ah, that's not fair. You can, but you get what I'm saying. You can, but it's also like somebody saying, "I don't want to watch the Red Brown movie because there's no way it's going to be the Chris Evans movie." Well, of course, yeah. it's not. No kidding. It's not. 
<laughs> it's but, 1979. But speaking of, Bill, uh-huh. why don't you kind of lay the land of this silly little film we watched? All right. We watched the or we we read the back of the box, but like what do you think is the 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 tent poles of this one? So for this one, it's bare bones simple. It's a product of its time. They this is a straight up plot and script that could really be in anything. You mentioned the six million dollar man. There's a lot of similarities to this in a lot of ways. A lot of things could be swapped out. So it's not a blockbuster special effects laden extravaganza. They've simply taken a fairly box standard plot and dropped Captain America into the front of it as the hero. I love it. But the good thing is he's Captain America. And in this particular instance, I think they hit a lot of the Captain America parts as best they could with what they were working with. So that makes it fun when he's on screen. Definitely, definitely. Um, I think we're going to cover a lot of the story in our segments. So should we get into the first segment? Or I I, guess it would be the next segment. Yeah, I think we should take a peek at a segment where we discuss some interesting facts or trivia we found out about this movie. Rob, let's see what's under the mask. Bill, I'll go first on this one. Um, Also, what's under the mask? Great. Great, great thing for the facts. I love it. Great segment. Um, one thing that really jumped out when I was doing my internet research on this one, you know, I do my own research, Bill. Uh-huh. Uh, and your own stunts, I've heard. Yeah, I definitely do my own stunts. Rob actually podcast doing a one-finger handstand over a cliff. Yeah, uh, so I- if you're tuning into the video portion of this podcast, you can see me doing that, obviously. Uh, this was in 1979, and... Apparently, there was supposed to be... So, first of all, there's two Captain America TV movies that came out in 79. This is the first one. Right. But apparently, there was supposed to be, like, a sequel, sequel to this, like, clump of movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1981, where Jeff Bridges was going to play Captain America. Oh, my God. Clarence Gilliard of uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. Sorry, Clarence Gilliard Jr. uh, was going to play a Falcon. Wow. Peter Fonda would have played the Red Skull in flashbacks. Oh, my. Can can you imagine? I mean, that would have definitely been on our list, but why? I I can't imagine, I don't think. I'm not sure. Like, you're talking, my God, Jeff Bridges as Captain America. That would have been an interesting look. I'm not. Sure, I'd be on board with that. Peter Fond as the Red Skull, don't know. Once you flay their skin off, everybody's pretty much the same. So if this had come out in 1981, I just, I don't know if it'd be much different than what we already watched, honestly. So the only other thing that I have, because I know you've got some amazing facts and not like the weird religion. Um, (laughs) Apparently this movie only cost a million dollars to make, which is wild to think about even in 1979 yeah they really shoestringed this and made something entertaining they did uh luckily this is back at the day too when you've probably got a lot of these resources laying around this movie shot in la uh comic book fans will know captain america like all marvel characters for the most part notoriously new york based but you know you you film where you are so cap's going out to to the west coast for this one 
But money-wise, the interesting thing I found out, Rob, was according to Red Brown, after the second movie, this was supposed to become a series, just like the Amazing Spider-Man television show. But Universal, who made these movies, lost the rights in between, which this seems to happen a lot yeah, to things. It's just really odd. Like, I've, I can misplace my keys, but <laughs> I don't really know how you misplace a whole set of rights to a, a franchise superhero. But either way, they wanted to fire it back up, but Marvel uh, wanted according to Reb, about $50,000 per yep. episode in licensing rights, where he's at the same time, the Incredible Hulk, which was on the air, paid about 2500 So clearly this is the Marvel. We go broke. <laughs> We're going to have to try and get some money somewhere. So that is insane to me. Uh, watching it, I, I think I would have really enjoyed a Captain America TV show because he's human enough based. His, his shtick and his powers are easy enough to replicate on a TV budget. I think it could have gone a long way and it's, it's really sad. Uh, maybe if they had done the two planned crossovers that they were looking to doing where the red Brown captain America would have met up with the amazing Spider-Man Nicholas Hammond version or the Lou Ferrigno Hulk that might've got it off the ground, but apparently that didn't pan out as well. So what can not you forward do? thinking enough, not but, forward thinking. No, but this movie can also lay claim to one very special thing. This is the first time in media history that Captain America throws his shield on screen. So Whoa. Rep gets to hold that honor forever, even though in the movie, oddly enough, he's not the first one to throw it. That goes to Dr. Simon Mills, which is a weird thing in my it's, book. But It's a very strange thing. So I, guess, like, I just want to back up a little bit because... The whole first half of this movie is following Steve Rogers out of the Marines. He's mm -hmm. just driving up and down the coast. He meets this doctor. Doctor tells him about his dad who had created the super steroid syndrome flag. Right. Uh -huh. And then his dad is patriotic. He was mockingly called Captain America when he was trying to defend democracy in the American way and all of the buzzwords that come along with this sort of thing. But yeah, when he finally shows Steve the costume and shield, he's like, and check this out and mm -hmm. like floats it like a like a Frisbee. Yeah, he just flings it like he's out in the backyard with the kids on a regular old day. And granted, the shield doesn't really come off that great on camera when you first see it or when you second see it or when you third see it. But it's not too terribly bad, but it's pretty flimsy it's definitely a whammo endorsement product when you get a look at it that's it and it also is amazing when you're not trying to find captain american perfection that's captain, true it, it's it's one of those things where it's like this is part of the enjoyment of watching this movie because that is so silly yeah and i remember that standing out when i watched this movie when you first see the shield i'm like why is it see-through but uh the reason that is is because the highway patrol said it had to be because the shields mounted on the front of the motorcycle and it acts as a windscreen and they would not let them film if Reb couldn't see through it when he was riding the motorcycle or any of them. So you can't really blame the makers of this film for that. They were hamstrung by the law of the land and the rules of the road. So that's another thing that's fun to dig into these movies when you find out, Oh, they just made a crappy movie. It's like, well, they didn't really have a choice. So you can't blame them for that one. I've got, a lot more thoughts regarding 
uh, costume decisions, but mm -hmm. I think that's better set for the next segment. I believe it is. This is where we take a look at the movie, the costumes, the look, all of it. And we just decide what lives up to the comics, what's impressive, and what can't we forgive. Rob's, it's time to suit up. Another excellent title to a segment. Now, we talked about, you've got your things, and I want to I talk that. I got some quick, quick hitters here, Bill. High-waisted pants throughout this entire movie. Very oh, yeah. tight at the top, loose at the bottom. 1979, moving into the 80s, any moment. But no high-waisted costumes. No. <laughs> no, not really. Even though Cap's outfit kind of supposed to be a little high-waisted with the I guess so. shorts, but they don't pull that off. I love the costume. We'll get to it in a second because you've got some pretty awesome details to it. Um, but I, I will say I love, love, love realistic costumes. Yeah. Like it's, it's always a little bit frustrating to me in the MCU when it's like hit a button and my nano things go over me and it's a perfect costume. Right. Like so many like Spider-Man like, oh, God, I don't want to be the guy I was talking about at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> but, like, there's this idea of having to make your own costume uh -huh. that there's a middle ground between it being, like, high tech and being what is possible at the time. Right. And although this one comes off cheesy, it's realistic. It's fun. It's hilarious. He looks like a wrestler part of the time. Uh, but I will say... I wish the villain in this movie had a little bit more of a villainy costume. I absolutely agree. And you'll find out as we go along, this is a, a little bit of a prediction for down the road. TV movies, TV budgets, a lot of the times, especially when they go to series, our heroes are fighting corrupt businessmen. <laughs> corrupt businessmen is the, is the dastardly villain. They're all quasi-Lex Luthor slash Norman Osborn without the Green Goblin thing. It is a let down of budget and constrictions that they just run up against. So it's not so bad if they fight like ninjas or some kind of group, but that they've got in wardrobe really you're at the mercy of all that skull capped stuff. bad guys with yeah. black and white striped shirts. I mean, you just don't get a lot of Dr. Doom or the yeah. red skull. And it is just a, it's a damn shame because that is a big part of the cell. And that is one of the things that the new movies excel at and they give us in that way what we want when i go see these movies it's not so much that they give me the hero i've seen the hero i've seen mm -hmm. nicholas hammond just before i saw toby mcguire but i had never seen the green goblin i get Fair. steve forest and i am ready to leave steve forest behind and his ilk show me somebody with some tights and exploding vegetables that he throws at people riding around on a space segway give me all of that I love it. Now, tell me some of your thoughts uh, for this suiting up segment. So, like I said, the look of the movie, straight 70s, everything matches up. The thing about the costume that kills me is the, they made two. There are two yeah. costumes in this movie, and it throws you off completely. You see the costume in the ad that you showed. That is the first one, and it's very evil Knievel. I don't know if that's because they thought kids might think it was evil Knievel if they didn't know who Captain America was. I can only imagine why and on a shoestring budget you would make this thing and it's not what we want you i saw it as a kid and i'm like who the hell is that that ain't no captain america but 
it was and you kind of get into it after a while it, it's just i don't know if they didn't usually i think it's because they don't know what they're doing or they've got somebody doing the setup that's not well, right let me ask you this like like I didn't get that feeling. I was like, okay, cool. This is the Captain America costume for this movie, right? Right. Um, it doesn't look exactly like the comic, but it also doesn't not look exactly like it's a red, white, and blue jumpsuit. And what? yeah, he's like wearing a helmet said, of some sort. You know? It looks like the costume that his mom would make him if he needed the costume. Sure. That makes and, sense. And the costume we'll talk about in a second comes in a little bit later in the film. It but does. The second costume comes in what with thirty seconds left of the movie? If that, I counted around ten, and he hits the screen. Well, he rides in from the distance, so I'll give him thirty. And he gets off, and it's like boom, there it is, full straight up Captain America costume, right out of the comics for the most part. Everything where it's supposed to be, it's the costume that's on the front of the VHS cover, the one we're looking for. Like, why did you make this? Yeah. <laughs> why did you make the first one if you were knew you were going to make the second one? I, I, it, I don't know. I want somebody to explain this to me. It boggles my mind. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I know we've talked about the the highway patrolman, but there were some other like with the clear shield. Mm -hmm. But is that also why you had to wear the helmet? It is. They had to wear a helmet, so they didn't have a way to get him in and out of a cow all the time or put the helmet over the cow. So they just spray painted up his motorcycle helmet, which if you've never ridden a motorcycle, dear listener, motorcycle helmets for the most part, full helmets, either full face or face open are very heavy. I've worn them many times and it is not what you want to go into fighting Dr. Doom with. It might sound like it, but you can't hear it weigh a ton. Your neck hurts. You're going to need that super steroid in your system to run around with this damn thing on your head. So <laughs> it's just, it's strange. It's, but it makes things. sense. It, it makes, makes sense. sense. I mean, I guarantee you there were some kids in the neighborhood that painted up their helmets with wings on them after seeing this on at night in the living yeah. room for sure. Oh yeah. Dunked dad's Harley helmet into a vat of blue paint. Oh, you know, he had to be so mad. And well, and speaking of Harley's Steve drives a van and he has this tricked out motorcycle, which is out of the comic book. Captain yes. America often had a van and a, and a cool bike that shoots out of this van at rocket speed, which if you've ever put a van in a motorcycle, which again, I have not a lot of headroom for coming out that door. So how he keeps from decapitating himself every time, I don't know. He's Captain America. He is Captain America. The one thing about the van, I kind of wish they hadn't put the doves on the side of the van. It's a, oh. little, <laughs> a little much. For the time, I mean, this is 1979. This is kind of on its way out. It almost dates the movie a little too old. But the thing that killed me was... Yeah, yeah, it's it's the doves on the van yeah. that date the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what did it. But they, the motorcycle is stored now. The van is tricked out. It's one of those little camper vans with a little stove and whatever. But they hit his motorcycle inside a fake refrigerator and the stove is now hollow to hold the motorcycle. And my first thought was he can't live in this van anymore. You got rid of his nope. kitchen. Yep. Yep. He, he can't do hashtag van life. anymore. No, no. he's going to have to get another van and he can't tow it behind that van because if he opens the door and shoots out of it, he's going to kill himself. He'll rock it into the second van. This is a bad setup superhero wise. I know. Yeah. Like so, it. uh, what, whatever his, uh, scientist partner who's friends with his dad, like did a did a bad job here. Yeah, that's not great. And uh, the only other thing about this movie, 
we've commented before in the past, our old series about the music in there. And I won't put too much time on this because a lot of this is standard television movie. My fiance watched this with me and she said a lot of the time she's she would look up and she goes, that sounds like porn. Yeah. It's that 70s high guitar, a little bit of little bit of timpani rolled in. And she's like, I think they're doing this to distract us from this movie. I think they're wanting you to think you're watching porn and it's too late. And I'm like, well, that I guess I don't think they would have called it Captain America. Uh, I would have no idea, Bill. I, I don't know what nope. porn music sounds like. I, no, I, I, I have no idea. I'm only going by what I've uh, the literature I found on the side of the road when I take a walk. So in that weird suitcase. Yeah. But I will say this. This is the only Captain America theme I remember. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the MCU, which is obviously where this, where our brains stemmed from to do this series, like maybe there's a few songs I remember from the MCU, but don't ask me to say whose theme is what and to yeah. hum it. You know? No, it all rolls into the Avengers for me, that Avengers hook. And yep. I've seen the 90 Captain America movie. I've seen all the Captain America stuff. And I always remember this little hook. So I'm going to give it up right now for 70s and 80s music. Maybe not the best all the way around, but this was the time when they were the master of the hook. Doctor Hook. Yeah. And he, he could have fought Dr. Hook, and that would have been better than Steve Forrest. Good Lord. And the neutron bomb. The neutron bomb. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk in our sure. <laughs> as we get further on, uh, Bill. But now the next segment that you have brought to the table, I'm going to say this time because I love it. I love it, Bill. Hero or villain? It's in this segment where we have to ask which actors gave super performances and which were dastardly. <laughs> you want to take the beginning of this one? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people in this movie, but I will say, in all fairness, there's not a lot to stand out. There's a lot of work a days in here. There's some fun that guys, but the thing about a that guy like Lance Legault, who I love, it's kind of Lance Legault all the time. I can't really give him credit for just being him. So I'm going to kind of do a thing I think we strive not to do. And I'm going to call out Reb Brown who has gone on record in saying he loved being Captain America. He loved playing a character that was just all good. And he did a lot of his stunts. He loved being in the, the suit. To this day, he does Comic-Cons with a Captain America shirt on and just the biggest smile, big guy, loves talking about it. In a movie called this, honestly, I don't think you could have picked a better guy at the time to do this. And as far as I know, he was the only choice for the people who made this movie. Wow. wanted him because he looked the part. And he did it. Um, so props to Reb. And uh, my honorable mention also is going to go to the Mercedes SL. Because, oh. <laughs> because Lynn drives the Mercedes SL. And if you've watched enough TV from the 70s and the 80s, you're going to know every government operative, every big wig, everybody of power. Bobby Ewing had one. Oscar Goldman had one. Steve Austin. They all drive a Mercedes SL. And as a car guy, it drives me nuts. I like don't know if they just fell off the truck. Did they have a deal? Universal must have had a deal with Mercedes somewhere. These things are everywhere, and they're so distinctive. It's like, I, I don't get it. Government guys drive LeBarons and Diplomats <laughs> and Square Grand Furies. How do you rate? You really are special if you get the SL. So props to that thing for being just stand-up and reliable all the way through. Uh, dastardly side... Not a big fan of the two helicopter henchmen who 
take off after Steve on his inaugural ride of his superbike. These two guys, they're not anything to me. Like they're not even Batman goon level. They're not wearing t-shirts that say goon on them. They're just two dudes in flannel with the sound effects of a rifle, but holding a shotgun, which I don't think that's the best weapon yeah. to try and take somebody out as an aerial assault. If it's even a shotgun, there's like a rifle in one. Like a shotgun might have actually hit him. Yeah. It, using like a boy, like a like a boy scout level practice rifle. Yeah, I mean, this is like the equivalent of putting Daryl and Daryl from Newhart in the helicopter for me. <laughs> it's just this is the worst. Their dialogue is just awful. The ADR is terrible. I just had to give it up. And then my uh, last dastardly bit is to go to steve forrest himself because i get it you know he's playing this straight up bad guy he plays in probably every other show he's probably going over to mcleod in four hours after this one and play another robber baron who weird thing is this lou bracket appears to have made all his money in oil and meat because all yeah. this movie takes place in an oil refinery and a meat packing plant but i gotta say he is device to set off this neutron bomb, which he's going to use to irradiate Phoenix and steal some gold. A la Goldfinger is a, is a box about the size of a cigar box, yep. which he straps to his chest that monitors his heartbeat. So it's the dead man bomb switch. I have dubbed it the bra arm. And he looks to camera when, the, when his henchman's strapping it on, it's almost like he's like, is this day over yet? Like he's bored on set. Like, come on, man, put a little feeling into it. Oh, totally. Totally. Now, uh, on my side, Bill, like dastardly, I side with you on the um, on the henchmen in the helicopter, but pretty much the henchmen in general, the ones who do the uh, when it at the refinery scene with the oil slick, like mm -hmm. they're henchmen who dress like cops, and it's just very interesting to me. They do the the standard '70s stopper all shoot, like I'm riding a horse, pointing the gun phrase uh -huh. or phase or whatever um but i will say super performances well number one has to go to the lab coat guy oh who enters in the bomb into the neutron bomb but also tells captain america where the safe is that is a unique form of acting and uh -huh. it must be a superpower uh, my runner-up is Charles A. Tambora, who's the helicopter pilot, because although the henchman in the helicopter, you know, I wouldn't say the best performance is, but that is like Terminator 2 level of flying, that helicopter. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is some great flying. That is that no CGI stuff. That's what we got back in the day. Of course, I, it's nice. I think they needed to pad 12 minutes, so we got 12 minutes of helicopter. <laughs> and a random ramp. In the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I choose to believe that's not random. I think Lynn took him out there on purpose, just didn't tell him about it. Give him it a little surprise. Had to be a training ground, right? Uh, absolutely. I even like that they custom color painted it up for him so he'd feel good going across it. <laughs> well, Bill, what do we have next on today's episode? Well, next we're going to look at which scene you would show to someone to get them to watch this movie. And you open up your comic book. It's the big middle section, and it's got all the action in it. We call it the splash panel. Bill, I mentioned it before, my splash panel, the thing I would show anyone else to watch this film is the standard Los Angeles refinery action scene. Uh -huh. Captain America is suited up. It's like, what, an hour and 20 minutes into this hour and 40 minute movie. Yes. We finally get our Captain America battle scene. Henchman galore 
He's taken over the place. He makes an oil slick <laughs> um, mm-hmm. thing. Instead of beating anyone up, he just sprays crude oil all over the floor. He also beats some people up. But he does. Large jumps. We get all the fun things in a costume. I loved it. How about you? Yeah. And isn't it nice to see oil being used again in a fun and provocative way? <laughs> just we got a we've got a, a water truck filled with oil to make the oil slide on the on yeah. the on the road earlier where props to Reb for taking two cliff dives in one episode. That's two. Pretty neat. Two. Two cliff two dives. Two cliff dives, two oil spills. Yeah. It's all what else could you want? I don't know. But I'm with you, Rob. The refinery is definitely the star. And for me, it is exactly the moment where I would cut the scene off is where he finally deflects a bullet with his shield. Yes. Because that's it. That's Captain America right there. And he does get to do it. It's kind of that thing you're waiting to see. And it you get your payoff. So that's what I'm going to show somebody to go. Here you go. Watch this. That is that is amazing. Bill, we're reaching the end of the show, but we haven't quite gotten there yet. What do we got next? I'm I'm just I'm just learning all of these fun things with this new theme. Well, much like a good comic book, when you get to the end, that's when you get to share your thoughts with the people that made it. And in this case, we're going to share them with each other and our friends out there listening. We're going to call this section the Marvel Mailbag. Not to be confused with our listener mail, everyone. Nope, that totally comes different. Later. Totally different. Totally different. So final thoughts on the film, Bill, I'm going to make mine succinct and fun because I would love to hear yours. And I want to sit back with my hands behind my head and just soak it all in. Bill, this was an amazing watch. This reminds me why I love watching older television. Reminds me of like where ideas come from, where people are trying to now, let's say, improve upon where we get lulls but this is like the heyday of like having fun on tv crazy stunts that are done less than let's say elegantly but like taking big ideas and trying to make them a reality in a space that just may not be possible and like I don't know, scotch taping things together because you you got the green light to make a Captain America TV movie. Like, we're doing our best to do it. And like you have said, you know, sometimes the bad guy just has to be an evil businessman. Yeah. And sometimes you could pluck out Captain America and put in Steve Rogers, pluck out Captain America, put in Kit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's... I don't know, something about that's really fun. So it's great. You know, for some reason, Captain America is also a great artist in this movie. Uh For some reason, we need to get an hour of backstory before we get to actually Captain America inning. But I like that. That's why I want to watch these things, you know, like because it can be taken in such a silly, silly way. Like, if I was some sort of, like, as we've talked about before, Captain America diehard, Marvel diehard, someone who's like, it must be this way, like, this wouldn't be fun. But that's not why we're watching this movie. We're, we're watching it because it's silly. And, like, it, this got made. Let's uh-huh. watch it. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, that does me good because I love that you had a good time with it. That's always the goal. So if you looked at it and you got Captain America out of it, then, then it did its job. I really like these movies, of course, 
again, I will fully admit to the nostalgia side of things. They remind me of being a kid. And that's an added thing. So I try to filter that out. Luckily, you can kind of do that when you're an adult. Like, of course, we know limitations of the time. This is what we've got going on. But they did what they needed to do. And to your point, Rob, the illustration part. So, you know, Steve Rogers is an illustrator in the comics at a certain point. So <gasps> I didn't know that. Mm-hmm, so that that's one of those things that makes sense. You kind of look at it and go, ah, oh, you know, I don't know why, but it, they did work a lot of the stuff in there. Somebody clearly took the time to read a few books and see what was going on to write this movie and set it down right. So wow. they at least touched on what they needed to do. And it, it suffers from the only thing all origin stories do. If you tell the origin, you're going to get a lot of stuff before you get the hero. You just are, unless you tell it in reverse. And this is not one of those movies. This is this 1979. It's a straight line. Everything in these shows is a straight line. The only thing I could think of that wasn't was Columbo because they told you who the murderer was first. And this one, they lead you right through and it progresses quickly. People figure things out fast because they have to, they have to move the story along. They'll say one thing and go, Oh, well, because I heard that it must be that. So it must be Steve Forrest at the oil refinery. Cause I heard a truck in the background. Of course, let's go. They move it right along, but they bring the heroic element of Captain America to this movie. So I'm glad they had enough input and enough people on the team who clearly were having a good time. They carried it on through. They got a nice cast. They picked some real dingers to be your bad guys. It's kind of you wind up rooting for everybody. And the simplicity of it is not a bad thing. A lot of people will look at these and go, oh, they're cheesy. They're dumb. They're whatever. It's like, no, at worst, they're simple. And that's not a bad thing. It's just absolutely. Not. After you sit through a three hours of Endgame, you might want an hour and 14 minutes of Captain America just to clear that out of your system. So, You might want some doves on your van. You might want some doves on your van. We never had any on the ones we had, but, you know, if you have... Listeners, if you have doves on your van, please take a picture of it and share it with us on our social media. We'll let you know how to do that at the end. <laughs> hey, Bill, um, I'm looking at the clock. What time is it? Uh... According to my notes, it's hammer time. Hammer time is the part of the show where we give our thoughts on whether or not this film is worthy of the superhero that it's portraying. Does it lift you high or drop the hammer on your expectations when you see who this movie's about? So, Rob, Captain America, did it lift you up or did it drop you down? Lifted me up, baby. Good. It can raise Majulner. <laughs> nice. Just like in the actual movie that they did a little while ago. For me, too. I think it does a great job when it gets to the Captain America parts. Going to give it a bit of a pass because it gets you there. Of course, they made another movie. So we get to see Reb take up the shield again. All for this movie, I will easily stand the Reb Brown Captain America against any other Captain America out there. I love it. I love it. Bill... High ratings all around. Just because we want to be positive about a movie doesn't mean it's going to get a high rating. But I'm glad that we kind of have a thumbs up, thumbs down with the hammer this theme. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Um, Bill, there's one last thing we like to do on the podcast, and that's read something from a listener. We have yet to get any voicemails. That's that's not fair. We have gotten some voicemails, but some of them are just thankful voicemails, right? right? Maybe not a question or like, a, I'm enjoying what you're doing, which is great. We appreciate that. Yes. But when people ask us questions, they must be answered. And of mm -hmm. course, we've got an email, billandrobs at gmail.com, or you can re submit your questions in the Discord. 
All of that stuff, we'll talk about a little bit later. It's in the show notes. You all will get it. But Bill, are you ready for this one? I am. It's from Debbie in Duluth, which sounds like a Marvel character. Uh, I'm just going to put that out there. Stan Lee would love it. Stan liked to have his characters with the same letters starting his first and last name. So good on you, Debbie. All right. Debbie goes, hi, Bill and Rob's. I'm writing this during your Predator series, so I hope my question hasn't already been answered. Do you have any updates on what other franchises or themes you'd like to cover? I'm a big fan of the Planet of the Apes movies, which I think you all have discussed uh, in the Discord. Thanks for all the laughs and insightful comments. I just texted my... (laughs) I love this line. Uh I just texted your podcast to my family group chat. Oops. Oh, <laughs> there's no oops about it. We nope. love it. Thank you. Nope. Share with every family member. Own that share, Debbie and Duluth. Yes. Um, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I'd love to cover all the Planet of the Apes movies on this show. Not sure if that's what I'll choose next, though. Um, and Bill, you've talked about another things like Cars That Kill, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Episode Zero, like the fun things that uh, that that could be and. You know, as I've thought about it, at least from my point of view, Bill, um, I don't want to always lean to horror, but I think every few times I'm going to do a horror franchise. we got to throw something in the pumpkin spice feed. Absolutely. Um, But if I were to, like, take a themed movie, I think I would, just off the top, just off the top today, I would love to look at if we're going on the television route on this one, uh-huh. of very special episodes. Ooh. So like a Full House very special episode, a Family Matters very special episode, maybe a Growing Pains, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. You know, there's always at least one very special episode. Oh, you've hit a string in my heart that just resonates with <laughs> memories from back then, Rob. That is an amazing theme. Uh, yeah, Debbie, we definitely want to do a lot of stuff i would be down for planet of the apes that's the fun part about this we can do this forever it's yeah. just whatever we come up with whatever uh, theme we want hey i thought of an idea i don't think i put it on our list yet rob but like if we went down the tv route i would like to do one maybe called together again where we watch just the reunion movies of our favorite oh. shows oh my god that that uh brady bunch christmas one Ah, uh, the return of the six million dollar man and the bionic woman Oh my God, those were great for you since you're still in, in a fairly new location. The Rockford Files, I still love LA. Yes, yes. Oh my God, I love it, Bill. Uh, all things to consider, Debbie. Thank you for your letter. We encourage everyone to either leave us a voicemail or come into the Discord, ask us a question, or submit it however you feel most comfortable, Bill. The biggest thing people can do with our show is share it with other folks, right? Right. Like there's there's plenty of things that uh, people can do, and and sharing it with a family like Debbie did, that's great. Texting mm-hmm. it to your bestie, texting it to your weird work pal, doesn't matter. More ears is the biggest thing we're looking for on this podcast. I've already said it before. People can join the Discord. We also have a link that is for a one time donation to this podcast so if you like this episode you can click that link and give this episode one dollar and don't have to worry about getting charged again next month 
Um, we've talked about the voicemail. That phone number's in the show description. Everything you could look for is in the show description. Definitely, if you want to get advice from Rob about how to sound silky smooth, he'd be able to give it to you. And all that support is great. Unlike Captain America or other superheroes, we're not backed by uh, billionaire trust funds or secret black ops government divisions. This is all out in the open. And any support you can give, especially the share kind, be like Debbie, accidentally or not, send it to everybody you know. If you want to type up a sheet and have those little tear tags like for free guitar lessons and you want to put it up in your dorm with our podcast name on it, that would be great. Anything you could do, financial support would be awesome. Not required. Rob and I are not about subscription. We're not Netflix. We are anti all that stuff. If you can one support one time, that's great. We really just enjoy having all of you here. Like we've said before, many times we don't have fans. We have friends. So friends help us out if you can and just keep tuning in because we like doing this couldn't have said it better myself bill i just want to end with some thank yous i gotta thank jothan for our podcast art Amazing. We love it i gotta give the shout out to draxium and dr z their band camps are in the show notes they made our theme song and the interstitials more cowbell you betcha it's all in there we couldn't love be, it. Couldn't be happier to have our own hook. We just got done talking about it. We've got our own. That makes me happy beyond words. Well, Bill, another episode of Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure has come to a close, but that doesn't mean that we're done yet. We've got more MCU. Nope. Mm. We've got more Marvel Legends coming your way on the next episode. Bill, thank you so much. I salute you, Rob's. Do you like pilots? Do you hate pilots? Are you indifferent to pilots? Have you ever met a pilot? Have you ever flown your own plane? They get uploaded. They're uploaded to YouTube. They're all on YouTube. They're right there, just for you. They're for free. Nobody's watching them. Why would you watch them? But guess what? There's two people that love to watch them. It's Stuart and Joe. We watch them so you don't have to. We're putting in the work. We've got cow people. We've got reincarnated dogs. We've got wizard superheroes. We've got extremely short private investigators. Hobo probate law. We've got a dog with the brain of a man. And a man with the brain of a dog. We tell you not only what happens, why it happened, who it happened to, what happened after. And why it stinks. So come watch Piloting Error. People don't watch it. Come stand behind me in my basement while we make the show. Could you bring me another beer? What's the network? Only on the Bridge Burner Collective. Wherever you're getting your podcasts.